Hello everyone, this is Kerwin and my buddy Stro. <laughs> and welcome to another episode. This is episode number 16 of uh, and today's date is Wednesday, July 8th. And um, we're gonna uh, oh I'm um, uh, yeah, I can't speak properly. Welcome to, I'm gonna say it again. Welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel with Kosho and Kerwin. It is uh, Wednesday, July 8th, and yesterday we were doing an episode and we needed to, um, we had a lot more to talk about, but it was so much that we needed to do another episode. And so this is uh, episode 16, and thank you guys so much for downloading. We have about 750 downloads on the episode that we did yesterday. So, um, but I need feedback. We need feedback. We need you to tell us. Do you like what we're talking about? Would you like to hear something else? Would you like us to talk about something else? So please, please send us an email and let us know. Speaking of what we're gonna talk about, today we have, we're gonna give you some aircraft manufacturers news. We're gonna talk about some airport happenings, some airlines happenings, and because we still have more airlines, there's always airlines. And we're gonna talk about aircraft leasing. So um, let's start with aircraft manufacturers. And the huge news of this week, or maybe it was the end of last week, is that uh, Boeing has canceled the 747 program. What are you hearing about, well, about that, Krisha? Well, they said it, but they said it, but they didn't say it directly. So they sort of hid it in their financial statements. And, uh, and one um, telltale sign was that they had stopped ordering parts uh, mm -hmm. from their... Um, Providers, what are they called? The sub assemblies for the 747. Yeah. And um, this was a long time coming, unfortunately. It's been 50 years. And they essentially have about 12 aircraft left to build. And since they're building them at the rate of one every two months, um, there's about two years worth of production to go. Oh, wow. Okay. So I think the remaining 12 have to do with uh, UPS, uh, all cargo, and the other three were, were, I believe, already built but not delivered. Mm -hmm. And they're in Southern California at Victorville, I believe. Right. Uh, they were to be delivered to um, Rossiya, if I remember correctly, the Russian airline that went bankrupt. And two of those are now scheduled to be converted to Air Force One. Oh. For the U.S., so those were the last orders that the, that Boeing received. Yeah, huh. but um, they built fifteen hundred and seventy-one aircraft, which amazing. is the second highest wide-body total to the seven, the triple seven, and really quite amazing. And I think it's a very sad day that we won't see these planes any more in passenger service. Yes, Lufthansa, Korean, Air China, will still operate them for a few more years, but um, the cargo carriers probably will still yeah. continue flying them. So, but Boeing is hoping to um, convert these cargo operators to the 777X as a freighter. Because that's going to be pretty remarkable. Though I'm not sure what they're going to do about outsized cargo, which necessitated the nose of the 744 freighter, for instance, the right. 747 freighter being opened. Uh -huh. So I don't know how they're going to accommodate that hmm. size of cargo. But yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's very sad that they've stopped. Yeah. Unfortunately, you... Airbus. Um, was a little too late with the 380 because they sold about 250, 260 380s, mm -hmm. which is really nothing compared to the 1570 that Boeing sold. Yeah. yeah. Boeing was way, way ahead of their time uh -huh. with the 747. I agree with you. Oh. Um, have you ever flown the 747? The, well, I shouldn't say that because, of course, you have. What was the last thing you've flown a 747? Actually, last year. Yeah, which one? A four, Lufthansa. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I so. don't think, I'm trying to think if I've flown the, uh, oh yeah, I have flown the Dash 8, 
And I think, I believe it actually was Lufthansa. But the last time I did a 747, it might have been KLM's 747 Comedy from Amsterdam to Houston. Okay. Yeah. I sat right at the back. Oh. Um, it's, yeah. Oh, and if, if, if you'll, you know, for those who don't know, the Combi is, um, it's half, well, not half, maybe a third cargo. And, uh, and the rest is, um, is passenger. So it's the only airplane that has, well, not the only one, because the 737 400s um, also have them, but they have a ca um, passenger in front and cargo in the back, all on the same deck. So that's pretty cool. And in oh, Houston, yeah. they used to transport um, horses and race cars and things like that uh, in them. But now it's only a 787-9, so that type of cargo isn't gone anymore. I guess they use special flights. Well, they, they have Martinier cargo, so that's probably what who, who takes care of it. But while yeah. that is the end of an era indeed, but at least it's, it's kind of phased out in two years. Um, yeah. So what are they going to use that um, you know, manufacturing set up for, I guess? Are they gonna probably gonna use it for the triple seven converted to the triple seven manufacturing or? I think they that's what the seven the triple seven X is using. That's uh, what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, those facilities. I uh, gotcha. It's so, been a while since I've been up the up to Boeing Field on a tour. Yeah. Yeah. I I flew so, to, I flew to Payne Field um, last year I think it was. Um, and that was actually very cool to actually fly into Painfield on a commercial flight because it just opened up like maybe oh. a few months prior to that. Um, all right, right. So, in in keeping, did did you have anything else on the seven four seven? No. Uh -uh. Okay. No. So, in keeping with aircraft manufacturers, we're going to talk about Airbus uh, is continuing their project, and it's called ATTOL. So maybe you can explain that to the audience what that means. I'm going to actually have to read this. I'm yeah. not quite sure how this is different or substantially different from what is already happening, but okay. I may be missing the point. Gotcha. Because this has a lot of corporate speak that drives me nuts. <laughs> so what they've said uh -huh. is that they have two years worth of flight tests for autonomous taxiing, takeoff and landing of commercial aircraft through fully automated vision-based flight tests using onboard image recognition technology, a world first. Right. That kind of makes my head spin a little bit, but I thought that was what was already happening though. Well, so I think with this one, it, it's- Can I just qualify this with a few more things? Yeah, yeah, go just, ahead. Sorry. So they had 500 flights. Mm -hmm. with. Um, I believe 330s and 340s, 450 of them were used to gather raw video data and to support algorithms. And then subsequent to that, they had six test flights with this new system. Each of these test flights had five takeoffs and five landings mm. uh, to test the flight capabilities. But what really gets me um, in terms of corporate speak is this next statement. So what Airbus wants to do is to get the pilots to focus more on strategic decision-making and mission management and less on aircraft operations. Now, I don't know if I'm completely missing the point here or if I don't understand what's going on. But isn't a pilot's basic role to be a decision maker and mission management and aircraft ops? Uh, yes. But, <laughs> and what is mission management and how is it different from decision making? Yeah, it's... Um, oh. my, my guess is that the, the, the... So when I went to CES last year, they had a helicopter that um, I think it was Bell and also Hyundai um, were testing. And it's the whole thing about autonomous flying. Uh, so basically they want the airplane to do everything and they really just want the pilot to be there to monitor it. 
So when they when they will launch the, I think probably the Hyundai one is going to go quicker than the, because Uber is the one that was that was quote unquote driving right. right. And um, so the idea is that they really want to replace pilots is basically what they're saying. And so but is that ever going to happen though? Um, well, with the with the so which is why Bell is not partnering with Uber. Instead, Hyundai is because Bell is saying, well, it's going to take longer for us to get the quote unquote, get the pilot out of the cockpit. And Uber wanted it done quicker. And I guess Hyundai says that they can do it quicker. So they decided to, to do that. But I think what people are always forgetting is it's because I, I have you ever been driven in an autonomous vehicle. No, um, it is weird. <laughs> I, I went to, when I went to CES, we did one and we got on the I-15 in Las Vegas and drove probably about 20 minutes. Uh, the car drove me for about 20 minutes or so. And it's very weird because um, it, it, it was following another car in front and how it was at a time if something had broken that signal between us, I'd have to take over. And so, so you were driving or was there someone else driving? No, I was sitting behind the wheel. I wasn't driving. The car was driving. Okay. Okay, and, and the guy next to me was the um, the engineer, uh, huh. the safety guy, and the marketing guy was in the back, and another lady was in there with me because we we had shared it, and it it takes over. It it does everything. We didn't do any lane changes, and we didn't do any lane changes because it wasn't geared to do that yet. And then this year I did it, and it was on a close track, and I basically basically got into the back of the car, I sat down. And it drove around the track, and in like a, it was a short ride, about maybe two minutes. Mm. And I didn't, I didn't do anything. It it picked me up and it dropped me off, and that was it. So I think that's what they're trying oh. to do with the airports. When they talk about mission management and all that kind of stuff, they really want to replace the pilots. And I know a lot of pilots are not. That's never going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, it, I cannot see passengers getting on board planes without pilots. Yeah. So. I mean, there's very little information about this, actually. So yeah. I'm hoping that it becomes clearer as more details leak out or come out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I really don't know what this strategic decision-making means. <laughs> I thought that's what pilots do anyway. Exactly, exactly. That's, that's just, no. they probably had to say that so the unions don't, don't get at them or something yeah. like that. Um, but, you know, no. I mean, it's, I, I guess it's something that, They've been doing it for quite a while because um, they did. There was another statement when they did the very first flight or something like that, uh, very first full flight. Um, they had done something about the autonomous, mm. um, the autonomous yeah. stuff. But it's coming. Yeah, um, I'm sure it'll be very incredible what they're yeah, doing. Yeah, but you're but, right. Um, airplanes can do all that stuff by themselves before. But there's always somebody monitoring it. And I guess someone's still I think but it might be the next level take, of autonomy. To take um, aircraft operation away from a pilot is dangerous. It's very dangerous. You really don't know. Yeah. But I'm sure they know what they're doing. Airbus, well, I mean, I assume that at some point, which is really scary, um, they're going to have the, they're going to take off an airplane without anyone in it. But I thought go. autopilot does that already, um, right? Yeah, yeah but, but landing also. Yes. So the autopilot does something all that. clearly is a big distinction. So in in autonomy, they have different levels of autonomy, and so w when I did the first car, um, that was like the first level of autonomy, uh, where um, I'm being I'm following another car. The one I just did in in um, this year, that's like stage three or something like that, where there is no one at the helm. It's only the computers at the helm. And um, yeah. so I think that's kind of what's happening here. We're getting different stages of autonomy. And the ultimate stage is where the airplane is doing everything. Uh, it decides when to push back. It yeah. decides how to taxi. It goes and it takes off and it flies to the next station, does all the way station, does all the landing, then it comes back to the gate. And the pilot basically does nothing except sits there and, yeah. uh, and just watch yeah. it and make sure. It reminds me of these Tesla cars, right? Where yes. It, they're driving and the 
pilot that the drivers are watching TV or sleeping. Yeah. And then suddenly slams into another one. I can't see the public tolerating that sort of. So there is a movie like that. It's on, uh, I think it's on Amazon video, one of those, where um, a guy is in an autonomous car and is driving him home. And he sees that the car is out of control and going to hit a parked truck. And he's telling the car that there's a parked truck. You need to give me the override. And the car is like, nope, it's fine. There is no override. And he slams right into the truck. Uh, now, the story is not about oh. autonomy. It's about life after death. <laughs> but, but that was it. And that's the kind of stuff that may happen, right? Uh, but we don't. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to see how uh, this yeah. thing develops. But that's pretty interesting. No. Well, well, we'll keep on top of that. Um, let's talk about airports. That's our next category. And yesterday, we got really excited about talking about American moving to T5 at Heathrow. And uh, because we didn't want to have a super long episode, we had to cut that short. So go, Kushor. What do you have on that? July 7th. I think this is significant. Of course, a lot of people are going to roll their eyes and say, why? But um, considering that close to 50% of Americans' uh, traffic from the U.S. into Heathrow goes onward on BA, I think that's going to make it very, very convenient for these passengers. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree or not. But um, transferring airports in London Heathrow is not the worst, but it's not the easiest either. It's a pain in the road. A little too fussy. So this being in the same terminal is going to make things a lot easier. The only thing I can see as an issue is what happens when um, air travel builds back up. Right now, it's okay. They've got the space, the gates, because the schedules are not what they were at normal periods. So there's lots of availability of gates and things like that. What happens when air travel comes back up? And it will come back up. Maybe not this year or next year, mm -hmm. but it will be back up. Um, what happens then? But I guess they'll figure out a way. Because, yeah. And I'm also curious about what happens to all the American facilities at D3. Because I believe they had a big admirals club. And um, now they will have access to the British Airways lounges. But um, I can see them get, getting pretty crowded now with American passengers using them as well. Because I believe Iberia also uses D5 for some yeah. flights. Yeah, they do. So, um, but I still think it's a good idea. Um, but we'll see how things develop. Yeah, but, makes but I believe the first date where they were supposed to move is July 7th, which is actually yesterday. It was yesterday, yeah. So, and it's been apparently a long-term decision. It hasn't been sudden. Yeah. So, it, it, it makes absolute sense because, as you know, uh, American, yep. and American and DA are part of One World. They had the joint venture transatlantic partnership. Um, I do agree with you about the capacity, though. Because right now, uh, if you ever go through T5, sometimes your gate is at the satellite terminal. Right. Um, and but it's still easier. It's still yeah, easier to take yeah. the train than it is to take it the is. bus or the, tra or the train between terminals. Yeah, because if you've gone to Heathrow now, what you have to do if you go to T, going from T3 uh, and the security... Three and four are closed, by the way. Did you, I didn't know that. Yeah, there were only... Yeah, I did see a thing about that because... So it's only were, two and five that are being used. Well, I just looked at the schedule, and uh, there were only three flights going from New York City to Heathrow. Um, okay. There's one from Newark and two from JFK. That's it. My gosh. There used <laughs> yeah. to be flights on the hour. On the hour, right? Um, and I know Virgin is going to oh. start later this year, but I don't, or later this month, actually, but I don't even know if they're going to mm. do that because we're having spikes, and no one is going to Europe from the U.S., so um, I don't and know if also with start. Brexit and a lot of banks moving their European headquarters out of London. Mm -hmm. I wonder how long this is going to continue. So yeah, it's gonna it'll be interesting, interesting to see. It, it'll, be, it'll be a good thing for the passengers because it'll be easier for you. Um, I, I say easier because um, co connecting within T5 is still a nightmare because it's so big. But it's um, ten times better than much coming much better. from another terminal. 
because if you're in a terminal, if, if you're not familiar with how Heathrow works, you have to get, um, you follow the signs to the, to the connections, which is usually a bus. And you take that bus. And I have actually timed it once and it took me 14 minutes to do just to go down, wait, jump on the bus, and then go over to the next terminal. I think I was going from, might have been uh, five to four or four to five or something like that. Depends on time of day also. Yes, and then you have to go through, because you've mixed with other passengers, you have to go through, um, uh, what you call it? Um, security, you have to go through security checks. Yeah. And sometimes those security lines are quite long. And then in the UK, they're very, uh, uh, for want of a better word, anal, when it comes to check-in security. So if they find like, like you have a, a container that's over the limit, they're gonna take everything out slowly. And that can be like anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes just to do that. So this it will actually save your connection time considerably, but it is gonna crowd when it starts again. Um, but it's good. I mean, it, it's something they should do. That's why you have joint venture, joint venture, right? So you save all the money. Right. Yeah. Um, in terms of talking about the, the, the facilities, I think Virgin is also in T3. So right. they'll just be, build a bigger club. They're probably, they're probably waiting forever to get rid of that Admir Admirals Club anyway. <laughs> yeah. But they have no slots though, right? Because remember, they have to remove all those Gatwick uh, aircraft to Heathrow. Urgent, oh, that, because yeah. they're, they're getting rid of Gatwick. Well, but you know what I think oh. that's going to happen with all that is, uh, obviously, all this is going to change, right? All those um, weird rules that they have about Heathrow are just going to have to change because they've been around for a long time. The industry is considerably different now. And I know that Heathrow is at the place to get slots at the moment, but when all this coronavirus thing started, planes are flying empty so they wouldn't use the slots. And now, thankfully, they've relaxed yep. all those rules so we don't have to do stupid stuff like that. Um, but, and yeah. now with this third runway in doubt. Yeah, because you're thinking so, we really need it now. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's quite no. interesting. So that's what's going on in, um, in, in uh, Heathrow. So uh, what is going on in Los Angeles at LAX? That was another big story that I thought was significant because from what I've read, Los Angeles is like the holy grail of cities where everybody wanted to be top dog there and American was. They were the largest carrier. I think they are the largest carrier with 17% of wow. the traffic. Yeah. Which is actually quite high for it is huge, yeah. Yeah. So... That's what struck me as very surprising that they would pull back five long haul routes um, and mostly to Asia and the Pacific and uh, move them to other cities. So what was surprising to me is that they've moved London to Seattle out of Los Angeles. Oh, so they've essentially LA given up Whoa. on American anymore. Okay. Yeah, so I guess BA is going to take that over yeah, right. with their, yeah. well, they were 380s, but um, yeah, and Dallas is going to be the main TPAC Southeast Asia hub for American from now on. Wow. Miami is going to be for the Caribbean and South America. And uh, um, JFK slash Philadelphia um, will take on a lot of the Atlantic routes, but American has also given up on Casablanca, Dubrovnik, and Budapest from Philadelphia. Uh, okay. So, yeah. so yeah, they're pulling back there as well. Um, and uh, um, I thought that was pretty significant. But um, another one that's gone out of uh, lax was Shanghai. So Delta will now be the um, sole. U.S. carrier. I don't believe United flies Shanghai out of uh, LAX. Um, I think they, they used do it out of San Fran. I think they used to do LA Shanghai. Because so, I know they do Tokyo. Um, yeah. yeah, but they might have moved. They so, might have moved it over. Well, the Asian carriers will be happy. <laughs> the Asian, yes, <laughs> because China Southern still does, still flies. 
Shanghai yeah, Zhou, LA. And they do Guangzhou. Sorry, China Eastern. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Um, that's interesting. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So just for just, um, I had to remember the routes that they're cutting out of LA. Yeah. Hong yeah. Kong, uh-huh. um, Sao Paulo, Buenos Aires, Beijing, and Shanghai. So my thing is that I think those roads probably weren't doing well and it probably had too much yeah. competition. Yeah. Because I remember that I used to see, like they had a LA, how was it, Hong Kong? And the fares were super cheap. Those are sort of prestige routes. Yeah. So yeah. Well, carriers would fly Catherine them. Would be happy. So. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, but you know but what? Cathay is sort of a partner, right? Uh, yes. And so when you think about it, right, they're actually, they've, um, I actually think it's a really good strategy because the, the, this is the reason why you have partnerships, right? You don't have to fly your own metal everywhere. And if you give, if you pick partners that have very similar service to yours, then the customer won't really quote unquote, see the difference when they're flying on either American, British Airways yeah. or, or Cathay. So, um, and then, and, and you're, you're in direct competition with your partner going across the, going across the Atlantic, mm. you can use that airplane for somewhere else. And now since they've parked a lot of the planes, they actually don't have the airplanes to do all that stuff that they used to do. So maybe, maybe what was, what this is all doing is getting coach here back to what it really was designed to do. Yeah. You know, which is not, which is not a, oh. not a bad idea. So, um, as you're talking about airports, so are they dumping the internationals out of Charlotte? Because did they not have? Um, Charlotte is also. I think it's going to be mainly domestic. Okay. And uh, from what I read, I think they were cutting some routes, some international routes from Charlotte. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So they're going to concentrate on Philadelphia. Yeah, because I know so, they had Philadelphia to Bologna, and they've cut that flight. I think a lot of those new routes, the secondary European cities. Yeah. I think Venice is also gone. Yeah, which makes so, sense. Yeah. And, and definitely with, uh, and they had cut Bologna before all this happened. Um, so, yeah, yeah, you know, have you been to Venice? Have you been to Venice yet? Yes. Uh, you know, I've not been to Venice yet. <laughs> yes. I tried. I really, I got as close as uh, Slovenia. Is that the one right down there? Yeah. 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 That's uh, really close. Yeah. But I couldn't, I just didn't, I needed one more day to take, I was going to take the bus over and try to fly back out of, is it, uh, is it Trieste? Trieste, yeah. Trieste. Uh, but mm. I, didn't, I didn't get a chance to fly back out of that. So, but go uh, quickly before the locals hate you even more. <laughs> well, you know what? Because funny. they really do hate tourists. Yeah, but I think, I suddenly think that this is, everybody loves tourists now because no one's visiting these places and they need the money yeah. to survive. And so um, all this talk about, um, so, you know, all the different types of tourism and, you know, overcrowding and stuff like that. Well, nobody's going now. So now what do you do? So, yeah. <laughs> but it's but, kind of sad, but true, right? Um, no. All right. So that's what's happening with LAX. Now, in still speaking of airports, and um, this is kind of the UK, but we can still talk about, we're kind of jumping around again, but let's go back to London. Uh, what is the UK doing um, in terms of international arrivals in Heathrow and Gatwick? July 10th. Now, this is for the UK and not just England. Mm-hmm. They've um, essentially scrapped the 14-day quarantine requirement that they imposed from June 1st. Okay. Um, for all travelers, international travelers arriving into England. Um, And Ryanair, EasyJet, and uh, IAG, which is the parent of BA, they all filed suit against the British government, (laughs) saying it would seriously hinder travel into the UK, which I'm sure it would have. Yeah. So I guess the pressure got too much, and effective July 10th, um the uk is going to not require 14-day quarantine um for a lot of countries in the world instead i believe you're going to have to take a test 
which of course, as in the UK, they're going to charge you an outrageous fee for. Mm. I think it's over 150 US dollars. Wow, Get the test. Pounds, so yeah. you just have to isolate for 24 hours until you get your results. Yeah. Um, what is most noticeable, not, notable is that a lot of the big countries are excluded. The US, of course, because yeah. of its out, out of control infections. Brazil, there's China, because there's no re reciprocity yet. And India. No mention of a lot of the African or the other South American countries, but I still think this is significant because a lot of the UK tourism comes from Europe and yeah. most of the EU, most if not all of the EU is now exempt. So, okay. which I guess makes sense. Um, it does. Yeah. And in fact, I just also read that the Heathrow airport is going to organize or going to try and organize tests for US citizens. Um, so they can come to the UK, but they have to be quarantined for 24 hours while they get these tests. I don't know why it's different compared to other countries, but there must be some requirements that they're meeting. Well, they're not Brexit anymore, right? So they can do whatever they want. I should say that yeah, they're not I EU anymore, so. so they can do whatever they want. They don't have to listen. Well, to they're them. EU until December thirty first. Uh, well, yeah, so it's oh. not official, official yet. Yeah. Um, and of course, there's probably a lot of politics in that. Somebody picked up a phone. Of course. <laughs> yes, of course. It's aviation, right? There's got to be politics somewhere in there. Uh, that is that is interesting. I mean, I love the UK. Right? It's, it's a place that I visit the most, and I really need to. I really want to go. But um, yeah, we're going to have to wait and see what, what happens with that. Uh, I, I mean, the thing is that, you know, we, I think we can still easily move borders. We just have to figure out how do we make sure that it's safe when we're moving the borders. And um, if people are clear, if it's like, well, if you go from A to B, you must do a test in A, otherwise you cannot go to a B. Uh, because the whole thing of testing people on arrival is kind of stupid, uh, in, in, in my opinion, because I, I think logistics. Yeah, it, it, right. Exactly. It's like, okay, fine. So I go and I test and I'm fine and I go. I have to wait 24 hours. Well, most people, as soon as they arrive, they, they're gone and doing, doing something else. So the chance of keeping up with them is really difficult. Plus, people are stupid. They will give you wrong information because they don't want to be tracked. Um, yep. And how are they going to keep track of these people for 24 hours and exactly. make sure that they're isolated? Now, I know in Jamaica, so, what Jamaica did is they, you have to download an app on your phone and then um, that app actually tracks you. And when you're changing parishes or anything like that, it says, hey, you are leaving St. James, which is where the airport is, and going into probably Chalani or something. So you can't do that. But what if you just delete the app, right? Um, you know, is there a little alarm thing that says you, I don't know how all that yeah. works, yeah. Um, but no. trying to track and trace people is the difficult part of it. Um, and so the, the, I guess the best deterrent is to have people test before they get on a flight. And if you don't have the, just like if you don't have a vaccination, you cannot go, the airlines will not allow you to board to another country. This shouldn't be any different. And if they, yeah. I think if they adopt that, then maybe we can get around this because there's no question that travel spreads it because that's what brought it to Jamaica. Somebody flew in from the UK oh. with it and the island, she infected people at a funeral unknowingly. And so um, the people cannot say that it doesn't try, it doesn't go during travel because it does. Yeah. Um, and with the world being so interconnected, it's impossible not to travel. Right. It is impossible. I mean, because, you know, that, that's how we are, right? We have to travel. That's just how, that's how it works. We've been traveling forever. Um, yeah. yeah, that's how civilizations, civilizations are born. Um, all right. So that's what's, what's next. That. Um, I think that's about all we have for airports. Uh, so we'll keep an eye on all this um, kind of travel restrictions as we go. But let's go back to airlines because we have uh, three airline topics that we want to talk about. Now, you know, we've been following the Pakistan International Airlines uh, crash of the A320, was it probably a month ago by now? 
and um, maybe a little what, more. A little that. more than that, right? So, yeah. Uh, and we told you they had some issues with pilots. They found them with buy certificates and stuff like that. What's your update, Kasha? Well, BIA, which is the main, in, the only, no, no, I should say the main international airline of Pakistan, found 28 pilots with fake licenses in their ranks, which I think is just beyond unbelievable. And they finally fired them. So, but what is amazing to me is that these 28 pilots for flew with PIA for however long they did without really a lot of incidents. I know there was an, uh, an aircraft overrun somewhere in the north of the country earlier this year, but um, how, it was 260 out of 860 total Pakistan registered pilots who were found to have uh, fake licenses, and apparently 28 of them worked for PIA. Wow. So, and what is even more shocking is that the opposition in parliament criticized the prime minister for publicizing this hmm. um, Interesting. action, because it has brought embarrassment on Pakistan. I think he's done an amazing job of bringing this to light if only for the safety of their own people. Yeah. So, so I was reading a, an, an interesting statistic on airlines that most well-run productive carriers have about 200 uh, employees per aircraft. PIA mm -hmm. has 450 per aircraft. Wow. So, so the jobs have been given out at sort of a stop. Yes. Um, and they've only got 31 aircraft. So that puts yeah. them at about, what, 13,000, 14,000 staff. Uh -huh. And they're now finally manning, uh, trying to make the airline more lean. Now let's hope they succeed. Yeah, that'd be good. I mean, so, cause it, it's, it, it's a matter of safety. Now I'm still like, where did these guys get their training? Did they... And how do they do recurrent training? Because you have to do recurrent training. Yes. So and you have to actually fly an aircraft. Uh, yeah. How does this not um, get noticed earlier? I mean, I know we have flight simulators, and the flight simulators are really good. Because my little nephew, he's 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 flying flight simulators all the time, and he's actually quite good at it. And he's never been never he's never flown a plane. Um, Can you pass a test? Uh. I don't know. Can these fake pilots pass a test? Well, I would be, assume they would have annual tests, but who knows? I mean, they've been landing and takeoff on that airplane that crashed. It took off from an airport before. Yeah. Th those guys that landed and landings and takeoffs and landings prior to this crash. Um, so. I, I, it, this is a really, really puzzling one, right? You're like, how is that? How could that have happened? without being undetected until we had lost and lost of lives. But it's incredible that there were not more crashes though. Right, uh, that's the thing, right? It's like, how did, so, so this one is a head scratcher. But, um, so that's the update on that one. Okay, we also have another airline update, uh, Wizz Air. What are they doing yes. with, right, with, with Ryanair? Well, they're currently having a fight with Ryanair. <laughs> but, um, Ryanair, well, this is, let's go back a little bit, back okay. up a little bit. I don't know if you remember, in 2000, KLM started a UK-based carrier called Buzz. Yes, I do remember that. Um, I think it was short-lived, but it did operate on behalf of KLM, as I said. It was intra-Europe. Right. Um, well, they gave up on it, and in 2003, Ryanair bought the name. And they operated it for, I, I believe, a year. And they closed it down, essentially, in 2004. But they still kept rights to the name. Okay. So what they did in 2018 is that they restarted, they renamed their Ryanair Sun subsidiary, Buzz. Because and, they, the um, they actually did this for their Polish uh, brand. Okay. So Buzz is essentially 
Ryanair uh, from based in Poland. And they uh, operate a lot of charter flights, but they also do schedule arrivals and departures. And Hungary, which is the base of operations for Wizz Air, decided that Buzz sounded too similar to Wizz. So they filed suit uh, <laughs> against Ryanair to uh, block them from entering Hungary. And of course, Michael O'Leary, the head of Ryanair, wasn't about to take any of this lying down. So um, he's, I think they're fighting back, but this is what has started. Now, I don't believe court proceedings have started yet, right. but they've been issued this cease and desist order in effect. In effect. So we'll have to wait and see how that uh, turns out. But they... They're even more low cost than Ryanair, if that's believable. Because yeah, yeah. they lease all their aircraft and crew from Ryanair. Uh -huh. They initially had only five when they started, five 737s in um, 2018. But now they have like 47 738s well, from Ryanair. So they're probably getting... And they're painted in a different yeah. livery. It's a big B, as you would imagine. Uh, so... So they're probably getting the, as soon as Ryanair retires an airplane and it goes over to them. Uh, it's I don't know how that works. Probably an ingenious idea, right? <laughs> right. But to have lower costs than Ryanair, that's something. Yeah, what do you have, like so, nothing? On the <laughs> how do you have lower costs than the guy who has the lowest cost in the industry? <laughs> but they plan to, well, but currently flying scheduled flights to tourist destinations and the uh, Greek islands. Yeah. So it's mainly leisure. So, so you know what you know what's funny about this, right, is that um, I, hear, I hear a lot of people talk about Wizz Air, but they hate Wizz Air. Um, and you, know, you see them complaining online, and then I normally go, so if you hate them, why do you still fly them? Oh, they're cheap. And so, <laughs> and that's the thing about low-cost carrier, right? People just don't really care. They just... Yeah, they don't care. You get what you pay for. You get what you pay for. But they look Clearly, there's demand for it. Sorry? There's demand for it, right? There is demand for it because people just don't want to. They, they go, well, oh, but, you know, I can't. Because at six foot one, um, I can't fit in most of those planes that they have. But the average person is not six foot one. The average person right. is probably five eight, five seven. And so this works for probably 90% of the population. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is why they get away with it. <laughs> but what never ceases to amaze me is that people will complain about a $5 increase in airfare, but they will pay $8 for a tiny little bottle of yes. alcohol or beer on board. Yeah. Or they'll pay $500 oh. a night for the hotel room. Hotel. Yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but it's... Yeah, it's it, it's how we quantify what we get value, uh, the value, right? And if people, if somebody argues about something, everybody jumps on the bandwagon. You know, it's like, oh, the airline lost yep. my bag. Oh yeah, they lost my bag. I can't do you know, it. Last time I went, when did you last? Never fly oh, them again. Years ago, right? Exactly. But you know, you know that doesn't work, right? People say that, and we still see them come back and fly again. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it's because uh, uh, if you live in Dallas and you gotta never fly American again, it's like mm, you probably will. <laughs> you may not uh, have a choice. I know you so. don't have a choice. Uh, all right, great. So you know the the the, the little boys are fighting. <laughs> we'll see who wins that. Who wins that battle? Um, the other thing we had about planes is. Um, Boeing and the the seven three M's. What's going? They're trying to re rehabilitate them. What's going on with that? What are they doing? So they started their uh, recertification tests this week. Okay. Uh, with FAA pilots in the U.S. out of um, Seattle. Right. And three days. They said extensive flights. I don't know what that means, but I'm assuming it was several. And um, they the FAA said. Um, that they were ready to put this aircraft back into operation in Q3 or Q4. Okay. But um, 
EASA, which is the European um, Aeronautics Board, and Canada have said not so fast. <laughs> so what they uh, what Boeing has done is focused on this MCAS system, which okay. is the stabilization of the aircraft because of the center of gravity issue, et cetera, et cetera. And it relied on angle of attack. So it's essentially the angle of the aircraft, um, the data from one of two sensors. So what right. they've done is that this, they've said that instead of relying on one sensor, we'll rely on both sensors. Both of these, um, which are on each side of the aircraft around the nose area, if they provide similar data, data to the pilots, MCAS will not be triggered. But what um, the Europeans are saying is that they want a third system. So rather than installing another um, sensor, what they want Boeing to do is... Um, essentially give you an artificial sensor and that's exactly what Boeing is doing on the 787. So Boeing is calculating an a aircraft speed based on the airspeed mm -hmm. and it is using that information as a proxy for the third sensor on the 787 and that's proven acceptable to the Europeans. So I don't know how far they're going to prevail um, into getting Boeing to change that um, system to also incorporate that uh, third level of protection into the 7.3 MAX. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. And Canada brought up this issue that there were too many bells and whistles going off in these Ethiopian and Lion Air crashes. And the pilots essentially got confused. So they want to have some vibration checks built into the stick of the aircraft. And that, I would imagine, would require extensive re-engineering re yeah. of the plane. So I really don't know out. where this is That's headed. Right. I mean, I mean so, they, yeah. they, they had the stick shakers, but, yeah. but they took that out because it's old, outdated stuff. So <laughs> I guess the long... To make a long story short, we should not expect the 7.3 MAX to be flying in Europe, at least, and Canada anytime soon. But I cannot see the U.S. approving it and the rest of the world saying no. Yeah. I we'll just have to wait and see But you know what like, happens there. You know what it is, Krisho? I think um, a lot of these governing bodies, they're just... Their job is to make it difficult for Boeing because they don't want to be the ones that say, oh, you approved it, so we're going to hold you responsible for it because, you know, you are the aviation person. And so right. it'll, it'll be interesting to see, you know, to kind of figure out why is it that they're requiring these things when other airplanes don't have it. And um, if this airplane hadn't crashed, they wouldn't have cared. And they, they didn't care before. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's face it, right? Oh. So, um, I think the 320 has always had it, though. Uh, the Airbus 320 has always had it. Yeah. So, yeah, but, which leads me to believe that something is going on if Europe is insisting that it's there. Yeah. Don't tell me there's no pressure from the other guys, like the other manufacturer across the ocean. That's. Mm -hmm. So I smell a rat. Here. And then China, China hasn't said a word yet because they have to regulate it as well. Yeah. Because Chinese carriers have ordered a lot of these maxes. Well, they're kind of busy now. So yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so, so this is the politics of aviation, right? Um, in travel, it's the same thing in, in normal travel. Um, when you travel to a country, you don't want to get involved in the politics of that country, but it affects you just because you're there. And it's the same thing in aviation. Um, uh, there, there was a lot of politics between these countries. And um, so we, we have to sit back and watch and see how they're going to fight to finish. Yep. Yeah. Um, we're at, I think we're at about almost 37, 40, uh, almost 50 minutes. So we have two more topics. Do you want us to finish those two? I want to keep those in the next episode. You tell me. 
how long do you think they are? Because well, they're not very long, but maybe <laughs> but it could be better for the next one. Yeah, it'd be better if we kept them for the next one. All right. So, so the next episode we call, we're going to talk about aircraft leasing because we have two items for that. But um, we and nothing, Comac and Comac, right? Nothing we talk about ever goes for five minutes. And so we don't want to keep you guys too long for each episode. And we're trying to keep the episode about 30 minutes to 45 minutes. And we're, we're bunching up on the hour in this one. So well, this um, week we weren't too successful. Uh, no, yeah. we weren't. Yeah. Well, you know what it is? A lot of things happen. And then we just start talking about it. And um, so I think that's good. But um, we, this is where we really need your feedback, guys. We want you to let us know. You know, if there's something in an episode that you don't like, tell us so we can change it. If there's something you really like, let us know as well, and then we'll try to um, try to make it better the next time around. And uh, and if there's something missing, then you know, tell us about that too. Or if there's something else you'd like to hear that we're not talking about, then let us know. The whole aim is to give you what you um, is to look at the headlines and kind of just have a. It's not a fireside chat. We don't we don't really have a fireside, but. <laughs> not in 39 40 degree heat yeah it's really hot today it's like it's 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 going close to 100 so uh here in houston but um Wilkisha, thank you so much we had a, a i think a good time today and i'm sitting outside and it's super hot um but this is the end of episode number to 16 right 16 i believe yeah 16 on wednesday july 8th and uh, we're going to go find some more information so we can have episode number 17. But thank you guys very much. We appreciate it. Again, we are on Spotify. We are in Stitcher. Um, we are on iTunes. And uh, you can find us at passrather.buzzsprout.com or passrather.com slash W-H-I-T uh, for what's happening in travel. This is uh, Kerwin and my friend, and we are signing off for today. Uh, see you guys soon.